Now, just double check we're recording. Oh, I'm so excited to be back. Recording, recording, recording. Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheos. I'm Karen Dempsey. And I'm Fer Curtis, and we're here to start conversations about reimagining ceremonies. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to Reimagining Ceremonies, the 2024 edition. We're we're back. Woohoo! Sorry for doing that in your earbuds. Um <laughs> Yeah, I have my big. I actually, so if you're not seeing any clip of this, we are currently sitting on our gorgeous green couch yep. because this possibly mm. might be one of the last times that we're recording in City Sanctuary Yes, to be discussed in a few moments. But we also have big blankets on us. Yes. It's the end of January. It's so cold. It's very cold. I have decided to keep my hat on. Um, Karen hasn't for <laughs> her like, own it's reasons. It's trademark. Yes. <laughs> How would you know it's me if I wore a hat? And then I have the big <laughs> headphones on. So um, definitely wrapped up. I'm kind of liking the blanket vibe, though. Yeah. Nice yeah. and chill. Karen, how are you? Oh, Ferg, I have a beaming smile on my face. It's so lovely to be here recording yeah. podcasting. Recording and podcasting. Um, I am good. That's my standard answer. Yes. Uh, but I am good. I were at the end of January... I'm kind of blown away by how much has happened in one month and how it's really setting us up for a solid 2024 in a slightly different way to the kind of growth that we had in 2023 and mm-hmm. um, it feels a bit more known. I feel like 2024 feels a bit more, um, <laughs> I'm going to say known, I'm not going to say predictable because it's never predictable, no. but it feels steadier. And I like that feeling. And that was the plan. Everything from 2023 was leading towards a steadier future. I think that was the plan of the planets and all. Yeah. Like there's a lot of astrology things going around that 2023 was meant to be the preparation, the chaotic preparation for 2024. And whether this is true or not, I'm going to say that a lot of people are going to have a good year this year. Ah, I was I, just showing Karen a video of my sister yeah. saying, Pluto <laughs> has left the microwave. And I was like, the retrograde? And she was like, the microwave. Um, it was very funny. <laughs> and I think the thing that I like about that kind of thing is um, you can take it or leave it. You know? 100%. Because um, I know some people live by retrogrades and where the stars are in the sky. And I love that. I love to hear the story of where the stars are in the sky. Yeah. And then I see what of that works for me. Yeah. And, I, and I take that bit with me and yeah. I leave it all behind the rest of it. Exactly. But that's, we're going to start 2024 with not a check-in because we did specifically say we don't want to do a check-in. Yeah. We don't want to be like, where are you at? Because we really want to um, deepen into reimagining ceremonies mm-hmm. and what that means and further deepen into Entheos being visible in the world. Yeah. So I'm going to hand it over to you because where we're going to start is uh, we will be leaving our city sanctuary venue on Thomas Street Mm -hmm. very soon. And that came with big decisions from yourself. 
And there's many, many moving factors and many, many reasons. But I think now that we're getting closer to it, you're like, this is going to be monumental in the growth of Entheus. So let's begin with why are we leaving City Sanctuary? Which seems like a simple question, but here's the answer. (laughs) Not so simple. Not so simple. Opens many doors. Yes. Um, Yeah, and and I think that's a nice way to put it. It's simple and more than simple. Um, Because the simple answer is, having a city centre premises has been hugely financially draining. Um, And when we took on this space, the initial... Uh, plan was to hold ceremonies in here that would be accessible to people that wanted a smaller ceremony that didn't want to have a big hotel venue and that would give us a space for participatory spirituality and for people to gather together and um, and use it as a community space. How it has unfolded has been different to that in that um, the demand for that style of ceremony wasn't as large as I had anticipated and the the costs began to not work out and I realised that if we were to continue in this space, the, my, the choice was that we uh, focus more on getting wedding ceremonies into this space. And that would immediately take the focus away from the work that we actually want to do in the world, which yes. is um, serving families at the time of the biggest crisis in their lives if they have the loss of a child or a young person. Um, couples who find themselves in a hospice or a hospital situation needing to be married in an end-of-life situation. Yeah. Um, and for Dido Pride, which is really uh, challenging the heteronormativity of the funeral world and the funeral options for members of the queer community. Um, so that we have celebrants from within that community who are ready to step up and serve um, rather than it be always kind of outsourced. And So these are the anchors, really, of Entheus. Yes. So the choice to step away from City Sanctuary is to re-anchor ourselves with those those values and foundations. Yes, we are a not-for-profit organization uh, and we operate as a social enterprise. So those those activities are funded by our members who are holding wedding ceremonies in in wedding venues all around the country. Yes. So every every wedding that they hold, they make a contribution back into the organization and those contributions are used to pay the celebrants who hold the more specialized uh, ceremonies, such as baby and child fun- funerals, uh, end-of-life weddings, and died of pride. Do you know what? Just when you said that, I had a call with a couple just before we came on to record. So mm-hmm. I came in early, I set up, and I had a call with a lovely couple. But actually, and I've had a few calls with some gorgeous couples over the last month, but you have just reminded me on those calls... I should say, listen, you're the the fee that you're paying me to do your ceremony, uh, a part of that is actually going in to these um, community initiatives. Community initiatives yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that actually, because when you were talking earlier, I was like, it's it is very focused in, you know, difficult times and the death sector mm-hmm. more. And I was like, but we do so much work in weddings. And I was, you literally mm-hmm. circled it around. And I was like, that's why, you know, yes, you're coming to us for your special day. And the day is about you and we're there to serve you. And, but actually by you coming to Entheus, you're also 
um, some of your money is going towards these really important um, community initiatives and also to support your celebrants in being able to continue their work so they can serve those areas as well. Yeah. Oh my God, 2024, <laughs> yes. So it's all it's coming together. So jigsawed in my head. And the loveliness of City Sanctuary was, the, the vision for it was that the City Sanctuary would also generate income to support these um, yeah. community initiatives. But that's not what happened. But what does, what has happened is our training has become really popular. So the training now is the lifeblood of the funding of the organisation. Yeah. Um, and we have to just be mindful of that because... Our training is very precious and very important to us. So we we train a, a low number of, compared to the applications we get, we train a low number of people mm-hmm. um, so that we can, you know, be sustainable. And that those training fees then are what kind of are the, the core income that we have. Yeah. And once we move out of City Sanctuary, which kind of beautifully, our last day here will be February 29th. So leap year. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll only come around once every four years, the anniversary mm-hmm. of the day that we left. Um, so we might actually get one or two more records. Yeah, we might. Yeah, 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 yeah. we should. Um, but once we no longer have to pay the rent and the rates and the electricity here, um, that, that uh, income can then go back into our actual organization because we need to do, I, I, there's so much growth waiting to happen. We have medical social workers and hospitals all around the country that are ready to really lean in and work with us on the end of life mm-hmm. weddings. We have um, children's charities that we're already working with who want to give us, who want to collaborate much more with us in 2024 and onwards. And at the moment, our resources haven't quite been there to be able to have that infrastructure ready for families. Yeah. Um, but once we, again, have the cash flow back to ourselves, um, we can do infinitely more with that. And we need staff, you know, we need to, we're at a, a stage now where it really, it has been mostly um, just a small number of people kind of keeping the organization up and running where we need to actually be more, be steadier around um, our team members as well. And, you know, yeah. um, be able to have proper hours and proper parameters and really be a wholehearted organization that is, um, that has longevity, you know, because we need to be here in the long term now because we yeah. are needed. Yeah, and sometimes you do, I think it's that thing of jumping into the arena. So jumping into taking on City Sanctuary, which we had all the right intention with. And then it just didn't work out. And that's okay, because we learned so much. And a lot came from it. Yes. The, The growth that we've had, in fairness, was driven a lot by the responsibility of having this beautiful premises, this beautiful old bank that we converted back into a wedding space. Um... Having City Sanctuary meant that the organization really had to grow and bring in the finances to support this. But that's a big part. It's a big part of how we got here to this growth space. And it's also a big part of why it is the best decision for the organization to let it go. Because always I, as director of the organization, come back to the core values of this organization and why it exists. And it exists to serve the community via those social initiatives, mm-hmm. those community initiatives, Lara's Legacy, Died of Pride, and Grogu Joe. So as long as we have this premises with all of the financial responsibilities that it brings, every month, the first responsibility is getting those, getting the, covering the costs of City Sanctuary. And that is risky for an organization like ourselves because it means that our first priority is paying Uh, rent and rates Mm -hmm. where actually our first priority should be the community initiatives and what they need 
So they can never come second to the venue that we have. And in in a lot of traditional faith paths and in a lot of other organizations maybe that work in similar spaces, I can see how that's a slippery slope, you know, when your financial obligations come first, it takes the spotlight off where it should be. And I want to be nimble and be able to respond to our community services with as with as much resources as we can yeah. um and for us to actually be able to serve the, commu- the, the community nationwide in the way that i envision we really do need to have a lot more financial cash flow to um i mean to do mail shots to to, to the hospitals to the people that we need to actually liaise with um, to support our people who are all around the country because we don't want to be Dublin-centric either. We naturally have more members in Dublin um, because the population is higher here, but we are very conscious of making sure that we have people all around the country who can respond to families who need our services in a quick, um, in a really quick way because the work that we do is... Speed is of the essence, really, in, in getting paperwork yeah. in, say, for a family who need to be married or um, funerals of such a short t- turnaround. It's the reality, I feel like maybe 2023 was the reality of coming in and being like, all of us, everyone in the organization I know, wanting to jump in and do this incredible work and serve in the ways that we wish to serve. And then reality just hits because we're in a world where you need you need, you need money. Yeah. 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 And it's very important <laughs> to me that our celebrants, our ministers, have the money to live a well-supported life, you know, to ha- to drive around in a, in a car that is solid and to have a good roof over your head and to everybody, everybody should have that. Yeah. Um, so that it is really important. And I think a, a big part of as well, the, the model that we use where the celebrants who hold the baby funerals and the end of life weddings, that they are paid because too often... I do th- it's a beautiful gest- like people don't charge for their services in that area which yeah. is great but that leads to burnout because it tends to be the same people who will always volunteer for those um, situations and they are the most they are the toughest situations yeah. physically emotionally and all sorts of levels so our commitment to actually pay the people who do that that the organization pays them exactly the family does I was going to say that yeah. the organization pays those uh, those celebrants so we take the burden the financial burden off the family off the the end client but the celebrant gets look af- looked after and also it means that human nature means that again say, sim- the same people will volunteer for for those um mm. services ba- probably based on their own skill set and their experience but those celebrants and ministers who are not doing that work necessarily but are um holding weddings out in these beautiful venues all around the country, yeah. they can also relax into knowing that the work that they do is still of service because their the income that they generate is funding their colleagues who are holding the um, end-of-life weddings and the baby funerals. It's the circle yes. of life. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes from, I'm very, I'm really interested in human nature. What makes things work and what makes things not work? And human nature is the, the bottom line on both of those situations. Yeah. So it's kind of preempting what could be an issue here or what can be, how can we turn what could potentially be an issue into a positive yeah. and make that turn the wheels rather than stop yeah. the wheels. So there's like, there's so much to talk about. And I think we do want to share almost the behind the scenes of Entheus so yeah. people do feel more part of the yes. community. And yeah. that's what this podcast is about to like, 
take the curtain off and go, this is what's happening now. And also noting that in three months, things may change again because yeah. in a year things have changed. But uh, two things I want to focus in on now is, first of all, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You are the director of Entheus. Yeah. And I think that that has been a journey for you to um, step into that role like you have always been in that role but to step into it and claim it and own yeah. it um but as a result of you moving further and leaning into that role you've also decided that some of your other work um the foot is off the gas with them yeah. so do you want to maybe let people know where you're at as you lean further into growing Entheus as the director yeah. of Entheus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a lovely decision for me. It was a lovely clarity that I got at one point. Um, because, yes, I'm the director of Entheos. I set it up, the founder, you know, whatever title goes with that. Um, and in the, it was always, in the beginning, I was very conscious of it not being a hierarchical organization. Um, and I think I got a little bit blindsided by that because what I realized as we progressed was leadership is not the same as a hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for me, it's very much a leading from within kind of space because this organization needs somebody in the driving seat, of course. basically, and to hold all the threads Like together. all organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so up till now, I have been primarily um, working as a, cel a celebrant as well as running the organization. And I've realized that the nature of the work as well that we do, ceremonies, the funerals are such short notice all the time and extremely intense and then weddings are in the diary for so far in advance and tend to be on the weekends that actually I was ending up working every day of the week for weeks on end because the only day the funerals don't take place is a Sunday and weddings still take place on a Sunday. So I was really cruising close to burnout and I'm a very high energy person naturally. So I really was struggling to actually let myself step back a little bit. And again, because we had the we had the premises here, the rent had to be paid. So I had to burn I felt like I had to burn the candle at both ends to keep the lights on, literally. Um so releasing the the uh venue is again part of that. But um stepping back from the ceremonial work myself so that I can um take on the director leadership role of this organization has been a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and it's been really difficult. It is really difficult to step back from the funerals in particular because I, my heart is in funeral work. I've been doing, like 2022 was the height of my wedding work. Um, that was the year of the nine weddings a week. <laughs> it was <laughs> so incredibly intense and it was not sustainable for me anyway. Uh, I don't think it should be sustainable for anybody. Um, but I began to step back from the wedding work towards the end of 2022. I stopped taking so many bookings for weddings. Um, and it's taken a long time. Like that, that wheel was so moving so fast and so tightly turning that it's taken quite a while for it to slow down. But now I'm doing very few weddings, which feels good to me. Um, and then for funerals, um, yeah, it's really hard to step back from that work. But I want to step back so that I can delegate and bring forward our celebrants within Entheos. Yeah. Um, so that is a part of the project for 2024 as well, is cultivating the amazing people that we have within yeah. our organization and with, with the absolute understanding that for funeral directors, it's a tricky space because 
it's such a huge level of trust is needed for a funeral director to um to work with a celebrant on a funeral um so i want to make sure that our people really are solid and dependable and skilled um for the funeral directors and the families that they're going to work with yes but everybody has to start somewhere. Everybody has to have their first couple of ceremonies. And, you know, and even you can have, you can be on your 10th ceremony and that's when something kicks in that, you know, oops, something goes sideways. Yeah. But, um, but we try to not let things go sideways. You know, we try to be as prepared as we possibly can. And um, I think that's, that's really important to note as well. We do have such incredible people and diverse people and people who offer different things. Um, and I don't know how other people in the organization are celebrants uh will feel but for me personally I felt I took to the weddings like a duck to water mm-hmm. I just was like oh my god this is amazing I love this space and I was very blessed with my first um ceremony and who it was and what it was and where it was um and I have done a few funerals now but it was such a different space um and such a different way of celebrating mm-hmm. um that I felt I did I have done really well but I also after each one was like okay room to grow yeah and I wonder how some of our other celebrants may feel about that and it could be the opposite that they've stepped into the funeral world and because of maybe past jobs or experience they're like this this is the glove this fits yeah. And then when they go to do another type of ceremony, they're like, ooh, I know I have all the skills. I know I have everything, but there's something here I need to feel. And sometimes that's yeah. experience. Yeah. It is experience. And a lot of what we cover on the training is about getting familiar with our own edges, our emotional edges and our personal edges. And wedding work tends to be more it tends to lean itself more towards our space of confidence and familiarity where funeral work pushes us out of our comfort zone and brings us to an edge where we are learning about ourselves in real time as we work with each family. Um, And experience really does um, help in the funeral work. And it takes quite a while to get that experience under your belt. I mean, I've sat with families and there have been, I mean, there, there have been so many times that I've sat with a family and thought, I am so grateful that I know I am experienced and that I know that the advice and the guidance I'm giving this family is solid. Where if I was on an earlier in my funeral work journey, I might have thought, oh my goodness, I, I feel like now I don't know what I'm, I'm not sure I'm giving this family solid advice. The advice may have been the same. It's just my confidence is different. Yeah. My confidence is more solid. So to anybody that is stepping in newly to the funeral arena, that is okay. Mm. I mean, that's, that's part of the learning curve. Um, and you have to just keep going and keep showing up. And it's by continually showing up and continually learning and continually being present and aware of yourself and your surroundings. Yes. Yes. And I think one thing that I notice, an overarching kind of difference that I notice in maybe the style of funeral that I hold and why people like it, is we have... I've never... This is an unprocessed thought. But we have a... um, sense within funerals of from a professional perspective of formality um being very important yeah or you know that formality and gravitas and um yeah st- 
adaptability and predictability. All of those are always there. But what I feel that our, that what I feel that I personally bring to a funeral ceremony and that I want our celebrants to bring and that I, I aim to train people with is to bring a warmth as well. Yeah. The word to, care was in my head. Yeah, head. care. To bring all of that infused with warmth and care and compassion. And that's not to say that other people don't do that, but I think sometimes it gets lost in the formality. You know, that people are really afraid to step They're a tricky the, line, actually. Yeah. Now that you say it, that's yeah. a tricky line to play. Yeah. And what, hap- what I think my personal insight into this is the concept of the celebration of life uh, kind of blurs that because sometimes people are coming at it with... Like I get a little bit uh, when people say things like, it doesn't have to be sad, it can be a celebration. Mm. Of course it can be a celebration, but it still needs the gravitas. Well, I think with that, it's, it depends on the family. It depends yes, on who has passed on. Yeah. And there are certain families that will be like, we want to celebrate we're going to yeah. show up in yeah. color yeah. the music is going to be uplifting and in that moment that's when you can go i'm going to meet you there yeah. whereas there's other families that are going to say we want to celebrate their life but you might feel we're going to celebrate it in a calmer way yeah. and a more not a more emotional way but a different emotional with more, way with more of the gravitas and formality maybe yeah but with that said as well Ferg, one thing that i do think is important to say, and I say to every family, if they're coming at it from that we're going to celebrate their life, this is what they want. They want all the singing and the dancing and the music. It's really important to also remind them they're going to feel really sad. Yeah. And I think that's part of the experience that I've learned, I've lived and learned that piece because they come with this intention of celebrating because that's what their person said. I want you to celebrate. I want you to dance. I don't want you to cry. In the role that we hold, sometimes then they get they feel guilty because they're crying and we need to kind of relieve them of that and just remind them you can celebrate you can sing and dance but you are also going to feel really sad and that's okay yeah let there be space for that in the few funerals i've done and (laughs) i'm always laughing that i'm gonna not i'm not giving advice here but say something that i have found has been positive for me to say in those spaces but i i'm laughing at myself because i'm sitting next to the titan (laughs) but what i have found at the start of all um of the few funerals that i have done is i've said any emotion is welcome here today if you want to laugh laugh and that's when you see the people kind of prick their ears up if you want to cry cry um if you want to grab someone's hand grab someone's hand i have it like yeah if you want to like breathe out loudly sigh everything is welcome you know, we will keep moving or we will stop and hold space. But don't be surprised about how you may feel. Just let yourself yeah. feel that way. And I, I have felt that that's actually been really helpful for me entering the space with these families because, you know, you're like, okay, so I can feel what I want yeah. when I'm up here facilitating this, yeah. facilitating this now, space. That's gorgeous, Ferg. And that brings in that warmth immediately. Rather than you could also open with the formality of, we are here today to, you know, and for, there's nothing wrong with their formality either. Um, but well, it for, suits some people. It, it does suit, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I'm not coming down on that, but I think there's something as well to be said. And the point of a, of a ceremony, any type of ceremony, is that it is, and I often say this, is such a rare opportunity that we have as humans to come together with the sole purpose of sharing an emotional experience. 
whether we're overtly consciously perceiving it as a, an emotional experience or not, or, and whether our emotions are seen or not, they're still, they're still there. You know, we don't block mm-hmm. off our emotions just because we choose, we decide not to. They're still going on somewhere. So people might express them however they want to, but, um, but we are all there as a group for the same reason. Everybody that's there for that person is there because they, want, they either knew the person in life or they want to show their love and support to their family member who is a part of their life, you know, and some a, a, a colleague or whatever way. And do you find, because I found this with, and I can only speak on the small experience I've had in funeral spaces, but I find that even though I mightn't have had a lot of time with the family or I mightn't have had, um, you know, known a lot about the person, um, you know, you, you try and gather as much information and you want to make the ceremony as personable to the person who has passed on and for their family. But I always find in everyone I've done sitting or standing in front of their people, mm. reading the words that you've learned about them in the last few days, every single time I'm like, I know this person. Yeah, I know them for this, whether it's just for this split second this half an hour or some of them have sat with me for the day and I'm like I don't know this person because I've never met them but you do go I know them because you look at the faces of certain people and everyone's face is reacting different to the words that you've created with them or that you've decided to bring for them and you're like I know this person you do you do and I think that's magical and there's so many times i feel bereft of the fact that i didn't know them in life yes because you get this like you get this intense sense of the essence of the person through their family yeah. because we sit with them and we sit with our family in such an intimate space mm. um, and very often people will say things over the table now don't include this in the ceremony <laughs> and they say things but knowing but, but that, that information yeah. yeah that informs what you're bringing and then when when a family as well have a slideshow sometimes in the middle of the yeah. ceremony I find that usually I won't have seen that slideshow before the ceremony, but I always watch it. And you go, oh my goodness, there is that person in these candid moments that they didn't, you know, they didn't know it was photographed. And there they are in these posed moments where they chose their, their style and their outfits. And, you know, um, and you see them and across all of the spectrum of the years of their life, you know, in very young life, as a child, maybe in their elderly years, with their children, with their grandchildren, um, with their pets, in their work, where they traveled to, mm. you get this snapshots of all through their lives. And that in itself tells so much about a person. Um, I'm not saying, not, it not, doesn't tell you everything at all, but um, it tells so much. And you get such a lovely sense of the quality of person that they were. Um, I want to lead you back because this is a conversation that can go on yeah. and on and on. And it will go on and, on and on and on. I love talking about Yeah, <laughs> and we will um, in this coming year dive and explore as as you maybe witness other people taking a space that has yeah. meant so much to you. Yeah. But I do want to just circle right back around to you as the director yes. of Entheus just to, yeah, just to, if there's anything else you want to inform people who are listening as people who mm-hmm. follow Entheus as people who are members of Entheus we've loads of different yeah. listeners yeah. you know and we want to be we want to be conscious that sometimes we're speaking to our members sometimes we're speaking to um 
you know, people who are getting married with us. Sometimes we're speaking to people who are just interested in the organization. Sometimes we're speaking to future members. Um, So we want to weave in and out and make sure that everything we're saying resonates Yes, because you brought me to a really nice piece, actually, which is for people who are curious about our organization and do have a sense of uh, wanting to maybe belong somehow or walk alongside us somehow or suss us out a little bit or see what's going on. And participatory spirituality was a big part of why Entheos was founded as well. So, and I know that maybe that's a lot of syllables and two words, but um, participatory spirituality for me is, you know, the sense of maybe people that belong to a traditional faith path beforehand or had some community, maybe it was belonging to the Scouts or, you know, some community involvement where you come together with a group of people and you feel connected. And you have, again, like we mentioned, you know, you have this um, communal experience of something more, of, you know, some kind of slightly transpersonal experience. Or, um, so creating that space was really important. Now, initially, I thought City Sanctuary might, be, might do that, but actually that wasn't how it panned out. But what we are going to do in 2024 and onwards is the plan is to, we are creating a choir. Yes. Two choirs. So one of them will be the Entheos Community Choir. Oh my God, I just had this moment of there is so much yeah. <laughs> that we're going to speak about on this podcast yes. this year. Yes, it's such an exciting year because finally it's cool. the stars are aligning to come back to the astrology thing, but finally yep. the stars are aligning so that Pluto these can Pluto is to, out of the <laughs> microwave. <laughs> and it is sorting itself out. Um, but yeah, the Community Choir will be for everybody. So anybody yeah. that wants to just come and, and, and join in um, and whether you can sing or not, of course, we will have core <laughs> core members who will carry the actual uh, tunes. But uh, for, for anybody who wants to come and show up, that we will have this choir and we'll be available then if people want, like for, for charity events, uh, because the inspiration sprang out of the, the Childhood Cancer Ireland event that, yes. we, that we worked on last year. Um, so having a kind of gospel style choir that is non-religious, that is about um, that feeling, you know, the uplifting feeling when you when you are part of that style of music, um, or any any sort of music. I, I'm beside the Titan now as well for talking <laughs> about music. Um, but yeah, for that feeling of connection and community. So that would be the Entheos Community Choir. But also we're going to have a Threshold Choir. And Threshold Choir is something that I've held in the back of my mind for many years. And before Entheos actually began formally, and it's been cruising along now nicely, waiting for its moment with Entheos. So this now is, is the time. The moment. It, see, <laughs> yeah, and Shiver, we can say we're gonna we're actually in, we're we are in research mode for this yes, now. We're we gonna are. actually go and meet with a threshold choir. Um and threshold choir began, the organization began, or the, the concept began back in New York in the 80s during the AIDS crisis, when um, so many men were dying unsupported and in their absolute droves and in the most horrendous, oh, the unsupported piece is the really awful bit, but mm. um, the threshold choirs initially were tended to be women who came and sat with people at their bedside while they were very deeply unwell and dying. And just sang gently, sang lullabies, very, very gently as an accompaniment, just to lessen that feeling of aloneness. And then as time went on, and thankfully that part of the crisis has, is not so 
present, but you know we do an awful lot of work and at the moment as well that we still need an awful lot more awareness of HIV and mm-hmm. uh, that side of things. But now the hospice uh, movement is more aligned, is more where the threshold singers tend to work. So yeah. they will go to the bedside of um, people who are dying if they if they want this, and they'll just gently sing harmonies and lullaby style um, to accompany people. Because, I mean, there's only so much sitting by the bedside, holding the hands, gazing into a person's eyes that you can actually do. In real life, it's it's a very um, intense time that sometimes the relief from that can be so welcome yeah. that you, the, the person doesn't have to do anything. The family doesn't have to do anything. They can just be and be held by these really gentle harmonies. Um, yeah, some people might be thinking, oh my God, I, you know, I would be dashing towards the light if that was me. And that's fair enough too. Maybe it's not for everybody. Yeah, exactly. But for so many people, they find this really beautiful. And also it can, hap- it can be you know, something that maybe on a Saturday afternoon in the lobby, there's threshold choirs come, choir yeah. comes and sings. And it would only be three, maybe four people at a time. Because um, it's gentle. Because it's gentle. Uh, and that's the point. And I think kind of introducing it to people is very important as well. So... Can I say from from a personal point of view, let me talk about me for a second. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but it, it the Threshold Choir is actually super um, important to me, even though we haven't mm. fully dived into it yet. And as you said, there is plans uh, that we're going to speak to people who are titans in this area and who are going to guide and uh, lead us and we will hopefully hopefully get to experience it before we yeah. before we set it up ourselves yeah. but for me I my I feel um and when I look at my year it's so um dense with ceremonies now mm-hmm. um and like my first ceremony of the year was a a, rem- a memorial ceremony um and it was so nice to start it that way because um, it got it allowed me to connect with a different side of ceremony that I hadn't mm-hmm. done before, and it was great. So I look at I look at the year, and I'm like, this is so exciting, you know, that I'm going to be so um, involved in different types of ceremonies and people's big days and stuff like that. And I'm so excited, and it feels so right for me to follow this path now after you know years of many many different paths. But one of the big factors for me is music is so important to me. Singing is so important to me. And no matter what I do in life, I will always get drawn back to it. Um, Even I have, I watched a TikTok this morning where someone said um, they're a musical theatre performer and they're like, I'm a musical theatre performer. Of course, I've quit the industry three times this week. (laughs) And I have so many times been like, I can't do this. I'm always drawn back to it. And when you brought the threshold choir idea to me and explained what it was, because I didn't know what a threshold choir was, um, I was just like, oh my God, I can't wait to explore. Because gentle is not the type of singing I've done. (laughs) But I can't wait to explore music in that way that is so tied to this new arena that I have found myself in and feel so... um, correctly put in at the moment and I'm like oh my god they're going to work together so mm-hmm. nicely and it's just, it's almost a sense of comfort of going I don't have to choose it's going to be present um but I think with the threshold choir on a personal level I'm like I'm so excited to explore music in 
this way because it's not a way I've ever yeah. done. So it's like a new ceremony is again bringing a new lease of um, a different element of something I know so well. So I'm excited for and that. And I have to hand it to you, Ferg. Being able to bounce this off you has given me the confidence to really move it forward because this is not my area of expertise. I mean, if you had said to me years ago that I was going to set up <laughs> Threshold <laughs> Choir, I would have been like, no, that's somebody else's department. Yeah. And as time goes on, I'm realizing, you know, that's the expression, if not me, who? And if not now, when? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't class myself as a singer, but I have witnessed the power of music in so many different ways. Yeah. And being able to facilitate this to come into the world is such a huge gift to me. I'm, I'm yeah. so, it's, it blows my mind. And I mean, even, you know, we, we will have a choir director. We will do this. It will be properly held and properly. Because we met directed. and I was like, well, if you're going to do it, yeah. you got to do it correctly. Yes. And yeah. You need to bring someone really in know, who knows. You know? Yeah, that's not my world. You know, so, yeah. who will be able to hold that space yeah. of making sure that it's a certain level that then will make sure that when we're in those spaces, that level is going to resonate and do yeah. what it needs to do. Yes. But it's interesting that we found ourselves there because we're also opening up a space in the podcast and we're going to do these very, very mini episodes mm -hmm. of little moments in time to reflect. And as you were talking about the Threshold Choir there, I was like, those mini, mini episodes could also, maybe in six months, it could be a 10-minute space where this threshold choir mm, just sing. And amazing. we put that out as a podcast episode. That, like, literally, I was just like, ooh, that's great. Because we're exploring this new idea of just having, it could be three minutes, it mm -hmm. could be 10 minutes. But it's a moment where we almost create a mini ceremony on an episode and it could be a reading, it could be a reflection, it could be um, a ritual if we want to put something up on um, Instagram with the video stuff. Um, and I don't think we fully know what it will be. Yeah, we never do. But we never do. <laughs> but we'll arrive to it and we're going to record one or two today and just pop them out uh, in between these episodes yeah. so people can hopefully take them into their own practices and have 10 minutes break, yeah. three minutes break, whatever it may be. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I'm excited kind of for that. But then I was like, oh, my God, the Threshold Choir sits, That'd be beautiful. sits into that really nicely. Yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I do want to touch on just one thing. We're kind of, we're bouncing around a few places. Um, but I do want to touch on one thing with yourself. And that is that the training has mm. majorly changed structure for for the, for the best. Yeah. And do you want to maybe give a little inkling into what the what the training may look like if you decide I'm going to I would like to explore this. Yeah. Um so yes, our training has now moved to a phased training. Yeah. So that means that people instead of having to do all of the training in one go regardless of what they were kind of planning, they now have a choice in they can do phase 1 which will give gives you everything that you need to be a celebrant outworking in the world. You can hold weddings, you can hold funerals, you can hold baby namings, you can hold milestone ceremonies. You will be trained to do all of that. 
Um, and you can, phase one is a standalone training in itself. So initially that was going to be all online. That was the plan for it to be all online so that people didn't have to travel and that you know, it could be more accessible location-wise. But in practice, we found that the people that are actually applying tended to really want the in-person element as well. Yeah. So we always will respond to what works best. So um, that now is a hybrid training. So there will be in-person days along with the, um, along with the online training. And the in-person days are not obligatory in phase one. You can do online alone. But if you are a person who loves in-person, loves to sit in the circle, loves to see the magic, um, you have that in phase one. Phase one does not lead to legal um, affiliation. It doesn't mean that you can hold legal wedding ceremonies. And that's a big part of the reason why we've gone to phased training, because we got a lot of, we were getting a lot of applicants who just wanted to get to the legal solemnizing bit. Um, and that's understandable. I can absolutely appreciate why people are in that space. Mm-hmm. But for us, within our organization, our organization is the key part. Our community initiatives, Lara's Legacy, Died of Pride and Grogu Joe, are the three key reasons that we have people able to, um, to hold ceremonies under our umbrella. So we needed to kind of pace it out so that people weren't so drawn to us just for that reason. Because it meant that we had to say no to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and... So then phase one is, as I mentioned, the hybrid online and in person. Phase two is self-directed. So on phase two, you can do after, after phase one. There's no fees attached to phase two. It's a, it's a personal self-directed project. It's about love in action. It's about what do you bring to the world? What is the change that you wish to see in the world? And how do you bring that? Yeah. So it's a real opportunity for people to actually challenge themselves, Mm -hmm. to go deep within themselves, to really reflect on why do I want to do this work in the world? And then that forms a big part of the application process for phase three, which leads people into the more pastoral care realms and does lead to membership of, full membership of Entheos as an organization, which which then in turn means that a person can apply to go on the register of solemnizers if that's aligned with what the organization needs and what they they bring. But um, that's all in person because that work is so delicate. Um, phase three is made up of in-person weekend training. Um, so it's a really exciting time because it means that also people have the opportunity to do phase one and test the waters, yeah. see how they're getting on, see, you know, because a lot of the time people end up investing largely in training to be a celebrant and then they don't actually end up you know, doing the work that they thought they would do or they, they go off in a different direction or, um, you know, they, they realise that they didn't actually have to... That actually, you know, that register of solemnizers piece is such a privilege for us as an organisation to be authorised to do that, but it also does mean that it, it's something that we need to navigate and hold very, very preciously and tenderly yeah. and carefully without alienating people either. You know, we don't want to... I don't want to end up having to say no to somebody's application based on the fact that they just want to get to the register of solemnizers. But um, yeah, we live and learn and we yeah. navigate and we draw the right people. And um, yeah. and I think yeah, if, people, if people are applying only to get to the register of solemnizers, well, then they're not that put out when they get a no because their heart wasn't that invested in joining us. Um, yeah. So yeah, so the, the core values of Entheos, the inclusivity, um, diversity, freedom and choice, challenging heteronormativity, being the change you want to see in the world, wanting to serve your community 
in a different way. They're the core drivers to joining our organization and being able to legally solemnize marriages is a very small part of it. It shouldn't be the driving factor for somebody that's coming towards us yeah. as an organization. Um, so, yeah, so it's a really exciting time. Yeah, it is a really, it's an exciting year. And yes. I think that's a great way to kind of finish up this first episode. Oh. But I think within this episode, it's, we've loads to talk about. But what I do want to say is, please, please, mm-hmm. please, 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 if you have the time and space, uh, we would love if you could pop on wherever you listen to your podcast, yeah. rate, review and subscribe, because it really helps us to be seen and heard by other people. Yeah. Um, And that's, important and we're going to unashamedly say it this year it's important for us to be visible because we want the work we're doing to be seen yeah and we need support and we need support the way that you can do that is to do exactly as ferg said click things yeah (laughs) like write write a little note and 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 engage with our content on social media please engage with the community i think that's a great way like if you want to write a review on apple or spotify or whatever it is or if you want to comment on one of the reels like engage with the community we have uh, a wonderful social media manager leah who is incredible first of all but also is so attentive and active that like she she will see the comments and if it's directed towards myself or karen or anyone else within the organization trust that that message will get to them but equally she will be able to respond um if if that's appropriate um and i think seeing the social media as the community you know reach out and please rate review and subscribe share things on you know your own instagrams if it resonates with you so you can start your own conversations with people because that is what this podcast is about it's about all the values that karen has just said opening up the conversations um and equal to that, drop into the DMs and say, would love to hear you chat about yeah, this. Please would love you to explore yeah. this. I don't understand when you're talking about this, what you're saying, because it gives us um, a launching pad to go. Someone brought this to us, yeah. you know, so we hope to get one of my favorite podcasts. Um, they get letters, listeners, and it, you can really feel the community. You can feel the back and forth. And even though I've never sent them a letter, I feel like I'm part of it more because <laughs> it feels like everyone's just speaking together. And I was listening to that podcast on the way in and I was like, I would love that. Like yeah. that it became less about the two of us oh, sitting us here and yeah. send us a letter. <laughs> I was sitting here winging it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, if you can have the time and space, engage with us in whatever way feels right for yeah. you um, or pass a little episode on to someone who might yes, enjoy it talk um, about us talk about us and we'll talk <laughs> about you um yeah so i think we'll leave that there we're back. Uh, we're back and we also and i'm gonna say it on the podcast we have made the promise to each other for this year we are gonna be consciously showing up consistently yes. in the podcast space and consciously taking pauses and breaks when needed but they will be planned um so yeah hopefully we'll be in your ears more consistently and you'll know when we won't be and you know what ferg we did incredibly well last year through the chaos we showed up for our podcast we did weekly podcasts that's intense yeah so i want to thank you for that you were just amazing for Um, for driving thank you thank you Uh, and thank you best questions (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, let's leave it there. Oh, I love it. See you next time. Bye.